Lutheran you are tuning into the True North Church you know, Podcast. They can talk Our prayer is that you would be inspired front, and encouraged by today's message. In For more information about True if North Church, please visit us online at truenorthak.org. And so we want to have this conversation here. Now, hear me on this. I'm not equipping you and training so you, you, so you can go and have this conversation on Facebook. Okay, that's not the right place to have the conversation. But we want to make sure that we all understand what the Bible says about it. And when we look at this verse in Proverbs that we have to train up our children, we wouldn't think twice if, if a pastor stood up here and said, I want to help you train your children up with good work ethic. I, wouldn't, I want to help you train your children up with finances. I want to help you train your children with how to communicate with their friends or relationships. We wouldn't have any questions about that. But sometimes this area of sex and sexuality, it's, it's, there's, there's a weirdness, a shame almost, if you will, on it, right? An awkwardness to it. Because there is an aspect of privacy to it, but also because it's a tool that too often the enemy is able to use to bring shame, to bring guilt to make us feel bad about ourselves. And I want to give what I would call, if I can, a sensitivity warning. We understand that this topic, the area of sex, can be misused. And for many of you, or I should say maybe some of you, has been misused. And we're aware of that. We still feel it's important that we talk about it. But if you're here and you go, no one ever taught me properly about sex. I learned about sex through abuse, or I learned about it through misuse. I want to say to you that God's heart is that you would find healing, grace, and wholeness in those areas. And if this is an area today that we touch on something that maybe makes you a little squeamish or maybe brings up some pain, I want to encourage you, would you this week get a hold of the pastors at church and say, I want to come in and I want to talk to somebody about this because I want to know more the grace and the healing and the wholeness that God has for me in this area. And so if you're in here today, I hope that you don't just shut down because of your past and your pain, but that you recognize this might be a moment in the season where God is saying, hey, I want to change that. I want to change your view on sexuality. I want to change your past. Not change your past. I want to change the, the outcomes of your past through my grace and forgiveness. Now, I'll just tell you up front, if, if it's something major, we might encourage you to go beyond just pastoral counseling to get professional counseling as well. Because we hope that this series is making us stronger families by understanding what the Bible says about these areas and understanding what God's heart is behind these areas. Does that, that, that make sense? That, that, that kind of that sensitivity warning, if you will? Here's another reason we're talking about this. And I got to grab my water here. I left it down here. The reason we're talking about it is because the Bible talks about it. The Bible does not shy away from talking about sex, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You read the historical books, and there are stories in the Old Testament that we don't teach in children's church, because they're about decisions that were made by men and women that were not wise. We have the wisdom books, Psalms and Proverbs. Proverbs talks over and over about the difference between a wise woman and what Proverbs calls the adulterous woman and the consequences of knowing the difference and the consequences of following wisdom over the pardon me, adulterous woman. Song of Solomon was an entire book written about the pursuit of love and sexual aspects of it. 
the prophets and the New Testament authors were addressing situations repeatedly where sex was being misused, where it was happening outside of the boundaries that God had defined for it. So if the Bible talks about it, we should talk about it. And the other reason that we want to talk about it is because most of us fall into one of the following categories. We're having it, we're trying to have it, or we're trying not to have it. Right? Most of us understand that part of God's design for his creation is sex. It is a sexuality and a nature to that. Now, what we talked about last week was how the Bible defines the right place for that to be used. But all of us, at one point or another, our bodies tell us that this is part of God's design for us. And so we want to look at that. And we're going to start with, and if you've got your worship guide, by the way, you can follow along. Today we're going to talk a little bit about why it's important that we understand the topic and talk about the topic. And then we're actually going to give, particularly parents, some very practical tools that you can use to help you have those very sometimes awkward feeling, but incredibly important conversations with your kids. But out of this verse in Proverbs, again, it says this, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. We can take two things away from that. The first is this. We in the home must be the primary sex educators. We must be the primary educators of our kids. It's great that we have public schools that when they hit, what is it, seventh grade, eighth grade, will embarrass them all and talk about it. It's great that they will teach them the kind of reproductive cycle and all those things. But long before that, sex must be talked about and discussed in the home. We must be the primary educators about this. And parents, I'm going to tell you something. If you are not talking about it with your kids, somebody is. Nowadays, I tell you, when I was a kid, pornography, you had to work hard to go and find it. You had to find a friend who had a brother who had a stash of magazines or a dad who had a stash of magazines. You had to find where those magazines were hid. You had to make note of what order they were in so when you put them back, you wouldn't be caught. Dad wouldn't be like, hey, who looked at my magazines, right? Nowadays, kids have phones in their pocket and it's being brought to them on a regular basis. It's like just a little bit of just a crumb trail all the way like, hey, here's an attractive woman. Here's an attractive woman in a little less clothing. Here's an attractive woman doing something. All these things like it's just there for our kids. It's so prevalent around it. And so the home must be a place where they feel safe and comfortable talking about it. The statistics say that one in three kids in America will have viewed hardcore porn by the time they are 12. 12 years old. They will have been exposed to it. They will have viewed it. And you know that 88% of pornography depicts violence as a part of the sexual act. And so not only are they being exposed to these things, they're being exposed to these things in wrong ways. And we all want to assume that our kid is one of the other two, but we don't. We're never safe in assuming that. And listen, parents, I'll, I, I will tell you, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. I, I, I recognize the challenges sometimes. I recognize sometimes it's awkward. Sometimes it's embarrassing. Sometimes, it's, it's, sometimes maybe your own shame is attached to it. And so it's challenging to bring it up in the home, but it's so important. You know, we played that walk-up song. Uh, and as we were joking this whole week, can we actually do that in church? Like, can you play salt and pepper in church? Uh, it, it got me thinking about one of the ways that when I was a preteen, 
that I learned about sex or thought I was learning about sex was through music. I'm old. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have all that stuff. So, but the one thing we had on a regular basis was the radio and MTV. Although, let me just clarify, in Canada, we had much music, but it's the same thing. 24-hour just music videos, right? And it got me thinking about one of the first places that I started as about an 11-year-old boy, 12-year-old boy thinking about sex was a, a cassette tape, an album by Tone Loke. Right? Again, if you're not old, you don't know this, but he had a song called Wild Thing, right? And when I heard that song, I was like, I don't actually fully know and understand what this song is about, but something resonates with where I'm at in life. I need to buy this cassette. So me and my buddy Dave, and I can use his name, none of you know him, me and my buddy Dave, we pooled our money together, we went down to the store, and we bought the cassette, and then it was like, oh, how do we sneak it, how do we listen to it? We're 11 years old, we don't have a uh, car to listen to it in, so we're, you know, I got my little Walkman, I'm trying to listen to it, and, uh, and so him and I would share this tape, and there was another song on this same album called Funky Cole Medina. I had no idea exactly what that meant, but again, I knew it was about sex, and I knew it was about me, I should want it, and I should get it. And I started to be like, man, I don't actually know what's going on, but there's something in this. And I compare that to the conversations that I had with my dad. And my, my parents were, were good, but not great at this. My, my parents, uh, my dad came from an abusive situation. And so for him, there was a lot of shame attached to this. But they, they slowly eventually had the conversations. But by that point, I had already been taught, don't worry, dad, I got a sex ed, sex ed teacher's name's Tone Loke. I know all about the wild thing. I'm 12. But nowadays, kids have social media. Kids have friends. Kids go to school. Man, especially, I remember I had one friend, and, and this is when my kids were young. I used to make note of this all the time. Who are their friends that have older siblings? Because my one buddy, he had an older brother that when we were like in 12th grade, he was like in 11th grade, and he would tell us the stories of how he had had sex with these different girls, and we were just like, this is, you're, you're our hero. We didn't really know and understand it, but I was learning about it outside the home. So then when it came time to talk about it in the home, it was weird. It was awkward. One of the hardest conversations I ever had to listen to my dad say, and at the time I was like, why are we having this conversation, was when he told me that him and my mom had a, had a healthy sex life. I didn't need to hear that, or so I thought. But I realize now as a parent, all these years later, that it is so important that we talk about sex in the home, that we are the ones that educate our kids, that our kids feel they can come to us and talk about it, that they don't have to pursue it from other sources. And when they do hear about it from other sources, they know there's an open door to come and talk to us about it. And again, parents, I get it that it's not always easy my kids are teenagers now. They've been hearing uh, their mom and I talk about sex for years. But even yesterday, my wife joked with them, hey, who's excited about church tomorrow to go and hear dad talk about sex from the pulpit? Right? They came though, so I don't know if they had a choice or not. But, but they're here and they get to hear about it again. And the second thing we learned from this verse is not only is that are we supposed to be the primary sex educators, but the reason we do this is because we are parents not because we're perfect. This is a God-ordained part of the family structure that as parents, we are called to educate our children in the areas of life that we want them to walk in. 
Now, you might have a past, you might have a history, you might, you might have some shame of your own, and so maybe that's what's keeping you from it. You might be going, I don't know it as much. I don't know, I don't, I don't even remember all the parts of the names of them of the reproductive cycle. I'll just wait till they get told about it at school, and then they can Google it. And No, they should never be Googling any of those terms. But it's not about because you know everything or because you're perfect, but because you are the parents. You are the safe space for them. You should be. This should be the place where they feel the most comfortable talking about it, even though, yes, it's the most awkward, right? And God, in this verse, is saying to us, parents, you train up your children in the way they should go. Again, when my dad started the conversations with, your mom and I have a healthy sex life, I was like, I don't want to hear the rest of this conversation at all. I don't know where this is going. I don't know why. Why are we having this conversation? But again, now that I'm older, I'm so grateful for what he taught me. I'm so grateful for the standard he set for my marriage. I'm so grateful for what he shared with me in the understanding of it so that when I was married, when I have kids of my own, I can go, hey, God has designed a healthy sex life for us. That's part of God's blessing, God's gift to us. But I tell you, at the time, all I wanted to do was run away. And so I get it. You see, as parents, we place the correct values in the area of sex and sexuality when we are the ones teaching our kids about it. The world does not have our values about sex and sexuality. They don't have our boundaries on sex and sexuality. They don't understand it, uh, the, the, the benefits and the blessing that it is if we keep it in the way God designed it. And as parents, we have the chance to teach our kids that. Even more so than the how of sexuality is the why of sex. Why did God create it? If he created it and it's great, why did he put boundaries on it? All of these things we talk about in the home so kids understand the values God has for it. So why should we train our kids in the area of sexuality? Why can't we just let them Google it? Well, there's a couple of reasons and these aren't fill in the blanks, unfortunately, but we're talking about teaching our kids sex. One of the first reasons is to protect our children from abuse. We're about to give you some tips and some tools to help you train your kids. And one of the most important reasons is to help keep our kids safe. They need to understand what is right and what is wrong from an early age. We teach them what is right so that they can also recognize what's wrong. We need to teach them to protect our children from abuse. If they understand God's plan and design behind sex and sexuality, they will more easily recognize how the enemy perverts it. We also want to teach our kids about this to protect our children from the consequences of sex outside God's design. The Bible's boundary on where sex finds its purest fulfillment for all the purposes God has designed it for. And there's more than one purpose. God designed sex for the purpose of reproduction. He also designed it for the purpose of intimacy and connection. He also designed it for the purpose of pleasure and enjoyment. And to find the fulfillment of all those pleasures, we must uh, keep sex within the boundaries and within the system God's designed it for. Now here's something that I think the world wants us not to believe anymore, and that is sex is powerful. Sex binds and connects people like almost nothing else. As a pastor, I get the privilege of counseling, giving pastoral counsel to many different couples. And time after time after time again, 
issues are started in the bedroom. And parent, uh, couples come in. And there's been an issue there, and that's going on. Or maybe the issue started outside the bedroom, but it has affected the bedroom. And once the bedroom is affected, that just has a ripple effect because sex is a strong and powerful tool. And there are consequences to our actions. And so we must protect our children from those consequences by teaching them, here's God's design for it. In fact, that's the next point, is that we teach our children to help them understand more about God and our relationship with Him. You see, everything on this earth that God has created for us is meant to be a reflection, is meant to help us understand who God is. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but sex and sexuality is part of that. It's part of understanding intimacy. It's part of understanding connection. It's part of understanding when God says you'll only have one God that we learn how to do that by only having one spouse, one sexual partner. And so all of these things our kids learn through us training them up. And the other thing it does is it helps to strengthen marriages to set a standard for them. Because good marriages should have a good, healthy sex life, like my parents. And by the way, I hope uh, that one day my parents come here and you all get to remember this message when you meet them. <laughs> I don't really. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 and 4 says this, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. So we want to look at, uh, we want to give you four tips and a couple of tools that you can use to help your children keep their bodies pure and protected so that in holiness and honor, they can use sex as part of their, in, for lack of a better term, worship in, in life as they go through. Worship of God. Worship of how he's designed them to be. So we're going to look at that. So we're back to our notes here. So how to train our children for protection and purity. And again, we're getting into this here. We're going to get into a little bit of nitty gritty here, okay? The first one is this. Teach proper names for body parts. Teach the proper names for body parts. This is an elbow. Okay, we're not talking about elbows. You know what we're talking about. Listen, from the earliest age, use the proper names for body parts for your kids. Let them understand. There's a couple things that this does. Uh, the first thing is it reaffirms who God has made them to be. It makes it clear. God has made you a boy. God has made you a girl. This is your biological design, and God is happy with that. God loves that. That's who it is. You know, when we teach these proper names, we affirm who God has said our children are. And how many of you know, if you're wondering, man, and maybe you're not a parent yet, you're wondering, oh, how do I do that? How do I teach the proper names? Don't worry. Your children will ask questions. What's that? Some of the first questions they'll ask, what's that? And there are some questions that your kids will ask. Dad, why is the sky blue? I don't know. Go ask your science teacher. That's fine. But when your kids say, what's that? And they point at some body parts, that's your responsibility. And you just say what it is. And guess what? There's going to be some times, some situations where we know that when kids are learning things, they don't know always when to talk about those things, right? I got a good friend who has a young daughter right now, and she's been teaching her daughter proper body name parts. And so when they were in Fred Meyers recently, the daughter thought, this is a great opportunity to show my mommy what I've been learning. 
So they're walking through Fred Myers with the daughter very proudly going, he has a penis, she has a vagina, he has a penis, she has a vagina. And mom is sitting there going, nope, nope, shh, yes, you're right, but we don't, we don't talk about it. So yes, you know what? You might go through some awkward, embarrassing moments, but let me ask you this question as parents, are you willing to be embarrassed for a few moments so that your kids have a lifetime of protection and purity? Because I got to be honest with you, for me, what's more important than whether or not I'm embarrassed in Fred Myers is that my kids understand God's design and can be kept safe and can be kept pure. Your kids are going to say things. They are. It's okay. Everyone else's kids are saying it too. Just don't bring your kids grocery shopping with you. Okay? But we've got to teach them the proper names. The second thing is we have to teach appropriate touch. You've got to let your kids know what is acceptable and what, is, what isn't from the, from the earliest days. You know, there's a little simple saying, privates are private. In other words, if it's covered up by your swimsuit, it's private. And it has boundaries that maybe your elbow doesn't have, right? And so there's appropriate touch that can happen. We have an acronym, and I think it's going to be on here, that can help you uh, understand this. There's a book out there as well that kind of uh, expounds on this a little bit. But a simple acronym is this, pants. It's just the word pants. Privates are protected. A is always remember your body belongs to you. In other words, there are no exceptions to these rules, to these boundaries that we've set up. And no means no. And parents, can I tell you, teach your daughters and your sons this one. No means no. Because remember, when you teach it to them young, when they were, they're older, they will remember that. No means no. The T is for talk. Talk about secrets that upset you. Talk about it. And S is for speak up. Someone can help. In other words, encourage your children. Hey, if there is an appropriate touch, you can tell mommy and daddy about it. It's okay. There's a story, a friend of mine, and by the way, I'm not giving any names of these. You don't know if they're stories from my kids or from someone else's kids. Just kidding. If they're my kids, I'll tell you they're my kids. Uh, but a friend of mine had this story, and you know, she had hammered it into her kids. Your privates are your privates. Nobody can see them. Nobody can touch them. Mommy and daddy, and that's it in terms of like when we're changing your diaper or your cha- whatever it is. So then she brings her, her uh, child to the doctor. And the doctor, you know, there's some, there's, the doctor's got to look at some things, check some things out. And the doctor says, okay, I need you to take off your pants and your underwear. And the kid says, no. And mom's like, what? No, it's okay. No, mommy, you taught me. No means no. And so that mom in that situation had to have this little quick moment of like, actually, this is one of the safe spaces. This is a doctor. This is a doctor's office. It's okay here. But again, how much easier is it to have that conversation than the conversation of mommy or daddy hey someone touched me I didn't know if I was allowed to let them or not so we give them a simple acronym we give them a simple tool to understand that there is times and places for appropriate touch you know these last two points talk about it and speak up these are extremely important you see parents if your kids think you are keeping sex a secret from them they will keep sex a secret from you in other words if they think you're embarrassed to talk about it with them you are not going to be the person they feel comfortable talking about it to and it's so important that we keep those doors open 
Which leads us to our next point, which is one of the most important points of all, and that is this, that we train our children, don't shame our children. In other words, we train our kids that, hey, there is a design for this. There is a way that you know the best thing that God has for you in this, but you don't shame them. You don't embarrass them. In other words, kids, here's God's best. If you make a mistake, it's okay to still come and talk to mom and dad about it. It's okay. There will be grace and there will be forgiveness. There won't be shame put on it. In fact, I think this. I think most parents, the reason they have a hard time talking to their kids about it is not because of the embarrassment and shame the kids might have, but because of the embarrassment and shame that the parents carry. And again, I want to reiterate, if you maybe have a history, maybe have a past, maybe there was abuse, or maybe you've spent a lot of time in your life not within the boundaries of sex that God has ordained as the best option, there is grace, and there is healing, and there is forgiveness, and there is wholeness for us. We don't have to walk in shame of this. In fact, the story of creation in Genesis is a man and a woman free from shame. Now, I'm not saying go walk around naked like Adam and Eve did. But there is a way and a, to get back to, to the, the freedom from the shame, and that is knowing the grace and forgiveness of God. And so for parents, again, if you carry shame, if you're like, I don't know how to talk about sex with my kids because I don't even know how to really think about it or process it in my own life, what happened to me or what choices I made, get the help you need to find the grace and the healing that God has for you. And the last point here is teach age-appropriate topics on sexuality. There are some things you don't talk about with a four-year-old. There are some things that an 18-year-old definitely needs to know. There are age-appropriate things. Now, in our house, we've kind of had a philosophy, and I remember a friend of mine saying it, and my wife might know where we actually got the idea from, but, but basically is this. If they're old enough to ask a question, they are old enough to get an answer. But it's got to be an age-appropriate answer. A friend of mine said that she was a single mom at the time, and she came home, and her son was probably about five or six, and she just bought some groceries and was unloading them and had them all on the counter and was putting them away. And as she was, uh, the kid asked the question that the kids asked, what's this? And pointed at the box of tampons. And so she, as a single mom, was like, well, I guess we're having this lesson right now, today, as I put the groceries away. And so she explained to him, you know, women have a menstrual cycle and all this stuff, and here's what the tampon does. And she, she had this, what she thought was a brilliant idea. She thought, I'm going to show him how this works. and gets a cup of water and drops a tampon in it. And how many of you know that to a five or six-year-old boy, that was cool? Well, she didn't think that through until she came home the next day and had a counter filled with cups with water and tampons in them. Because her son was like, oh, this is like a toy, Right? And so she realized, hey, maybe I got the age appropriateness wrong on that one. But her son understood it. And so there are age appropriate ways. In fact, we're going to put a QR code up here. And I don't have my phone, but I want to ask all of you, would you take out your phone and would you scan this QR code? It's going to take you to a page on our website where we have a list of resources for parents. And this is different books, this is different websites that are all about how to train your children up in the area of sex and sexuality. And at the bottom of that page, there is a breakdown of what is age appropriate from zero to two, two to four, three to five, five to nine, whatever the ages are. And there are tools to help you to say, where's my child at? Here's kind of maybe what they should know. Here's the conversations I should be having with them. 
God's designed sex and sexuality as part of his creation. Again, with many purposes. But he's also given it a system in which it, it gets his full blessing. And we want to train our kids up to walk in that way. I'm going to close today by looking at a, a, a metaphor, if you will, that helps us understand this maybe a little bit. And this might be something that as your kids get a bit older, you can teach them in as well, but also for us as parents or even for us as individuals to understand. In the Old Testament, uh, there was a tabernacle and a temple. It was the place that God visited or dwelled amongst his people. The tabernacle was the form of it when it was in a tent because they had to pack it up and move it along as they were wandering. And the temple was the permanent form of it when they moved into the promised land. In 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 20, it tells us this. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? So in the Old Testament, what was a tent or a physical building, we are now that temple. We now have the Holy Spirit, God, dwelling with us. He goes on and says, The Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So the first thing is this. Paul says, if it's a sexual sin, it's a sin against your body. And then he reminds you, by the way, who lives inside your body. So it's a sin that really impacts God in a way different than other sins. Not more egregious, not more unforgivable, but just different. And so if he says we're a temple, what can we learn about intimacy and God and how God wants to relate with us through the temple? In Hebrews 8.5, it says this. They, speaking of the Old Testament priests, serve in a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So, Old Testament, Moses is putting together the tabernacle. God says, I have a design for it. Make sure you build it according to the design. New Testament, our bodies are the temple, but God still says the same thing. Make sure you build them and use them according to to the design, according to the plan that God has. So, in the Old Testament, the temple, there was four areas to it. There was an outer court, an inner court, uh, the holy place, and the holy of holies. Well, what can we learn about our life if our life is a temple? I, I put it this way, if you will, in the area not only of sexuality, but of intimacy. We have different areas of our life that different people are allowed in. The outer court, anybody could go there. If you will, the outer court is a high five or a handshake where we say here on a Sunday, hey, go and greet somebody with a high five. It might be someone you've never met before, but you can high five them. That's okay. The next area, the inner court, was maybe only a few more people are here. Okay, this is maybe a little bit more intimate. Maybe this is a hug. I'm not going to hug a total stranger. I know some of you are huggers. And you would hug total strangers, so maybe that's still a little bit your outer core. But I think you get what I'm trying to say here. There is another level of intimacy. And then you get to the, to the holy place. This is the place where I kind of go, this is when grandma and grandpa grab a kid and say, sit on my lap, and they just smother them with cuddles and kisses. If grandma and grandpa do that, or an uncle and an aunt do that, it's fine. If a stranger does that to your children... That should, yeah, that's, that's one response from a dad up in the front row here. That should go, wait a second. That is not appropriate touch. That is not allowed within this circle of my life. 
And then there was the Holy of Holies. That one priest was allowed to go in. And that signifies there is an area of intimacy in our life, including through the avenue of sex and sexuality, that is saved for one person. Your spouse. That's the person it's saved for. Now, the area that the metaphor breaks down is that the priests in the Old Testament only went into the Holy of Holies once a year. I don't recommend that for the, uh, your spouse, okay? Just to clarify that, that's for all the husbands out there. But we know this and we understand this, that there are, there are aspects of intimacy into our lives. In fact, if you break down the word intimacy into this little phrase, into me see. And we have to train up our kids that kids, there are parts of you sexually, physically, emotionally, all the areas that people are allowed to come into. Because then if we do that, when they get up, they're going to have strong marriages. When they get older, they're going to have those strong marriages. They're going to know when to say yes and when to say no. They're going to know what's acceptable. And parents, I know there might be awkward Fred Meyer moments where your kid's pointing at people and naming their privates. But trust me, it is worth it. It is worth it because of the second half of that verse in Proverbs 22, which is the promise that our kids won't depart from this when they're older. And isn't that the prayer we all have as parents? God, teach them your ways and may they, may they not walk away from it. But our responsibility is to train them up. What a fantastic service. Be sure to stay in touch by following us on social media so you can stay up to date with all that is happening at True North Church.